Good evening, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Terror Radio Podcast. If this is your first time joining me, then welcome. This is a podcast dedicated in bringing you the best of horror and thriller, old-time radio broadcasts, as well as original stories. I'm your host, Keith, better known as the Radio Show Nerd, and I'm wishing all of you a safe and happy holiday. Two days, and it's Christmas. This year has gone by with a blink of an eye. It's crazy. So, tonight's episode is entitled, Yuletide Mysteries. And I think I will be posting a bonus episode on Christmas Day. Not sure what I'm going to feature, but it may be another personal favorites because I had such positive response from the last one I did. So without further ado, this is Terra Radio. The two radio series highlighted tonight are Mysterious Traveler and CBS Radio Mystery Theater. Our first story tonight is Christmas Story, and it was featured on Mysterious Traveler, Christmas Day, 1951. It was written by Robert A. Arthur and directed and produced by David Cogan. Following that, we have A Holiday Visit from the CBS Radio Mystery Theater. Now, this was actually a request by one of my listeners, John Jude Cook. This was first broadcasted on Christmas Day, 1980. It was written by Bob German and directed and produced by radio and television producer Hyman Brown. And it stars Lloyd Batista and Diana Kirkwood. Now, the show tonight is going to be a little bit longer, but hey, it's almost Christmas. Everyone deserves a nice little treat. So, you know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to Christmas Story, followed by a holiday visit. Mutual Broadcasting System presents The Mysterious Traveler, written, produced, and directed by Robert A. Arthur and David Coburn, and starring two of radio's foremost personalities, like Lennon Man and the in Christmas Story. This is The Mysterious Traveler, inviting you to join me on another journey into the realm of the strange and the terrifying. I hope you will enjoy the trip, that it will thrill you a little and chill you a little. So settle back, get a good grip on your nerves, and be comfortable, if you can, as we hear the tale of an enterprising young man. It's the drama I call Christmas Story. (laughs) 
Steve Farrell, and I've just gotten through playing Santa Claus. Yeah, you're looking at a guy who really played it to the hilt. It all started last month in Seattle. I was out of a job and down to my last few bucks. I was looking through the morning paper when I noticed this small ad in the personal column. Driving to New York, November 15th. Man wanted to assist in driving. Free transportation. Paul Harris, Hotel Royal. Well, I'd always wanted to see New York, and this was as good as any way of getting there, so I went up to this Hotel Royal to see this guy, Harris. Mr. Harris? Yes? My name's Farrell, Steve Farrell. I read your ad in the morning paper. Oh, yes. Won't you come in? Thank you. If you haven't already found someone to help you drive to New York, I'd like to offer my services. Well, as a matter of fact, I haven't. Uh, can you leave for New York a day after tomorrow? Sure, anytime. Well, good. Then why not come around at 9 in the morning and we'll get off to an early start? Okay, Mr. Harris, 9 it is. Let me know when you're tired driving, Mr. Harris, and I'll take over. Thanks, I will. Why not call me Paul? Okay. Steve is my first name. Lewiston, 30 miles. Lewiston, uh, that's Idaho, isn't it? Yeah, we're just crossing the state line into Idaho. Oh, this is all new to me. I, I was born and raised in Alaska. This is my first trip to the state. Well, you're going to see a lot of scenery between here and New York. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. Life must have been pretty rugged in Alaska. Oh, it was. My parents were homesteaded. I never saw a city until a week ago when I arrived in Seattle. How come you're going to New York? Well, my parents died last year, and my grandfather, whom I've never seen, wrote asking me to come visit him. you never seen him, huh? No. No, there was uh, some sort of squabble between my parents and my grandfather before I was born, and, and they went to Alaska. And in all the years since then... My grandfather never wrote to them. Sounds like a stubborn guy. Yeah, he sure does. What are you going to New York for? Oh, mainly to look for a job. And I've always wanted to see the big city. And so have I. Uh, do you mind uh, taking over now, Steve? My eyes are getting tired. Be glad to. Just pull over to the side of the road. It's a long way from Seattle to New York. There wasn't a radio in the car, so we just talked. And mostly we talked about Paul, his life in Alaska, his parents, his grandfather. By the time we hit Columbus, Ohio, there wasn't a thing I didn't know about the guy. And from what he told me, his grandfather was loaded. And even more, he was the old man's only relative. It was obvious the kid was walking into a fortune. Yeah, some guys had all the luck. So these are the Allegheny Mountains. Yeah. Better take it easy, Paul. The road's a little slippery. Okay. How much further to New York? 250 miles. It's getting dark. You better stop for the night at the next tourist court. All right. Oh, we should be able to make New York by tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, easy. Your eyes bothering you? Yeah, a little. You better let me take over when you get to the bottom of this mountain. Okay. You know, you ought to see an eye doctor. Your eyes seem to get tired awful quick. Well, the truth of the matter hey, is... look out, kid. We're shutting the kids. No, don't jam on the brakes. That only makes it worse. Now, re reverse your wheel. I have. 
see we're skinning off the road toward the mountain. Get that wheel and do as I say. We're out of control. We're going over. <laughs> When I regained consciousness, I was lying a few feet from the car. We drove 300 feet down the side of the mountain, and the car was completely wrecked. And I crawled to my feet and felt for broken bones. Other than a bad gash on my head and a mass of bruises, I was okay. I limped the few feet to the overturned car and looked in. Paul was still behind the wheel. Even before I reached for his pulse, I had a feeling he was dead. Paul's luck had run out. He'd never see all that dough that was waiting for him in New York. Yeah, it was then that it came to me. I hadn't wished the guy dead, but now that he was, and nobody in the state knew Paul or what he looked like, and on the other hand, I knew everything about him, well, it was a gamble, all right, but there was a fortune in the kitty. I went to work switching our clothes and all identification. Just as I finished, the state police patrol car came along the mountain road and spotted the wreck. They took me to headquarters where I made a complete statement. A couple of hours later, I grabbed a train for New York. I'm George Marlowe, your grandfather's attorney. How do you do, Mr. Marlowe? The Pennsylvania State Police informed me of the dreadful accident you had. I understand a man who was with you uh, was killed. Yes, a fellow by the name of Steve Farrell. I met him in Seattle. He assisted me with the driving. It's too bad, but uh, thank heavens it wasn't you. It would have been your grandfather's death blow. How is he? Weak. Very weak. But eagerly waiting to see you. All right, come along. Yes, sir. How's that gash on your head? Oh, not too bad. It was treated by a doctor at the state police headquarters. Uh, you can only spend a few minutes with your grandfather, and uh, excitement must be avoided by all means. I understand. And here we are. How is he, Joan? He's much better this afternoon. Good. Uh, Joan, uh, this is Paul Harris. Paul Joan Dietrich, your grandfather's nurse. How do you do? Hello. Paul. Is that you, Paul? Yes, sir. Come over here. Where I can see you. Yes, grandfather. So, you're Paul. My grandson. Yes, sir. Sit down by my bed. Let me look at you. All right, grandfather. Are you? You don't look like your mother. Must take after your father's side of the family. Yes, I do. That... That bandage. What? What happened, Paul? Well, I was in an accident, but it's nothing. Just a scratch. You're, you're sure? Yes, yes, of course. I, I suppose you're wondering... Why I sent for you after after all these years, cutting off your mother, father. Does it matter now? The main thing is, I'm here. You know, lying here for months, I've had the 
great deal of time to think things over. I was wrong, Paul. Your mother, she had a perfect right to marry anyone she wished. It was only my stubbornness that prevented the reconciliation. We all make mistakes. Yes, yes, but 30 years of not seeing my own flesh and blood. It's been lonely, Paul. So lonely. And all my fault. But you're not alone anymore. I'm here. Yes. Yes, Paul, yes. What, what little time I have left, we must spend together. I think that's enough for now, Mr. Marshall. Paul can come and see you later, after your nap. Just a few more minutes, John. After your nap. Oh. She's a wonderful girl, Paul, as soon as I'm awake. All right, Grandfather. Now let me fix your pillows, will you? Just your being here seems to have helped him, Paul. What do the doctors say, Mr. Marlowe? Week, month, several months at the outside. That bad, huh? Yes. Well, you must be tired after your trip. I had your suitcase taken to your room. Uh, do you have any other luggage on the way? There's a small trunk coming, but it won't be here for weeks. If you need any money, just let me know. Your grandfather's placed a considerable sum at your disposal. Thanks. But I still have 2000 left of the 5000 he sent me. Very well, Paul. Remember, if there's anything at all you want, just let me know. Yeah, I was in. There was no question that I'd pass as Paul Harris. And why not? I had all the answers, and I was playing it careful. I walked through room after room of that Fifth Avenue mansion, knowing that within a matter of months it would be mine. In the weeks that followed, not a day passed, and I didn't spend a few hours with the old man. He liked me, I could see that. And the funny thing is, I liked him, too. During our little chat, there were times I felt I was his grandson. And sitting in at these little sessions, not saying much, just watching with those gray eyes of hers with Joan Dietrich. She was one lovely dish. And I could feel things building between us. Whenever she got an evening off, we went out together. Having a good time? Wonderful. I love dancing. Well, Mr. Harris, what are we doing out here on the terrace? The music's in there. <laughs> Too many people in there. You know, if you don't make a pass at me soon, I'm going to get discouraged. <laughs> I was with a short acquaintance. Three weeks. <laughs> What's the time, Mr. Dewey? <laughs> the day I walked into my grandfather's room, first saw you, you knew this moment would come. Mm. Oh, God. I feel the same way, baby. So I was sorry. You love me? You know I do. You might have tears. Oh, I do love you. And I want to believe in you, but I'm so confused. So confused. About what? Go on. I want to hear. Are you really Paul Harris? What makes you ask them? In your talk with Mr. Marshall, several things you said seemed strange. That's it. 
your grandfather spoke of a restaurant in San Francisco, and you said you knew it. Yet if you are Paul Harris, how could you not? Paul Harris has never been to San Francisco. I might have taken in San Francisco on the way to New York, you know. What else bothers you? You mentioned the television show you'd seen six months ago. There is no television in Alaska. If you're Paul Harris, how could you have seen it? People up in Alaska see kinescopes of television shows, baby. They show them like movies. Oh, darling, just tell me I'm wrong. That's all I want to hear. I wish I could tell you I'm Paul Harris. But I'm not. You're not? No. The name is Farrell. Steve Farrell. Steve Farrell? Hmm. Wasn't that the fellow that was killed in that... It was Paul Harris who was killed. You changed identity. Yes. Oh, how could you? How could you? I was tired of being broke. Of going from one lousy job to another. I saw a chance to grab a fortune. And took it. What are you going to do? I should go to the police. I can't. Mr. Marshall thinks you're his grandson. He's extremely fond of you. If the truth were to come out, it'd, it'd kill him. Is that the only reason we can't go to the police? Oh, Steve, what are we going to do? Nothing. Nothing. That's right. I'm going on being Paul Harris until the old man dies. Then I'm taking the estate. You can't. Why not? While the old man's alive, I'm making him happy. If I get his estate when he dies, who loses by it? It isn't as though he has other relatives. Why shouldn't I get it? No, it's wrong, Steve. It's wrong. It's wrong only if you're caught, baby. Only if you're caught. Up here on the roof. Just getting a little fresh air while Mr. Marshall sleeps. How is he? He can't last more than a few days. Who are you crying for? The old man? Or me? Both of you. Oh, Steve, ever since the other night when you told me, I haven't been able to think of anything else. It's wrong, Steve. It's so wrong. Who am I hurting if I get the estate? I deserve it if anyone does. At least I'm making the old man happy in his last hour. What is your cause? Do you realize they'd send you to prison? That's the chances you take, baby. Besides, who's going to get wise to me? There's Mr. Marlowe, and he's nobody's fool. Just one little slip, Steve, and he'll be on to you. Marlowe's a sharp citizen, all right, but I don't intend to make that one slip. Someone's coming up onto the roof. Hello, you two. Thought I'd find you up here. Hello. How are you, Mr. Marlowe? Quite well, thank you. I stand uh, Mr. Marshall's asleep. Yes, I left Mrs. Walker to look after him. He should be waking up soon. Maybe we better go down. My grandfather and... Oh! What's the matter? Something in your eye, Paul? Yes, it's a cinder. Oh, left eye, huh? Yes. But stop rubbing it. Put your handkerchief over it. Hmm. It's here. It stings like the devil. Go on over and sit on the chair. 
And I'll uh, try to take it out for you. You want me to uh, assist you to the chair? No, no, I can still walk. Let's sit down and tilt your head back. Hmm. That's it. Take the handkerchief away. Oh, I see it. Hold still. There. I got it. Thanks, John. I think we'd better go down now. Yeah, okay. You coming, Mr. Marlowe? What? Oh, yes, yes. I'm coming. Mrs. Walker says that Mr. Marshall was asleep and she looked in on him a few minutes ago. Seems he's still sleeping. Perhaps we'd better leave and wait until he wakes up. No, no, no. I'm going to wake him. It's time for his medicine. Mr. Marshall? Mr. Marshall? Time for your medicine. Mr. Marshall? Well, what is it, Joan? There's no pulse. Are you sure? Yes. He's dead. Well, at least the end came peacefully. He died in his sleep. Joan took the old man's death hard, and I felt pretty upset myself. Even with all that dough waiting. As for Marlowe, he was his usual efficient self, looking after all the details of the funeral. Maybe it was the tension I was under, but Marlowe seemed changed. He, he wasn't quite so friendly. And sometimes I turned to find him watching me, giving me the cold eye. I couldn't be sure whether it was my imagination or not. After we got back from the funeral, I was in my room when there was a knock on the door. Come in. Oh, hello, Joan. Come in. Mr. Marlowe's downstairs in the library. He wants to see you. Close the door. Anything wrong? Plenty. Whose trunk is that you're going through? Paul's. It arrived this morning while we were at the funeral. Steve, what's wrong? I've just been going through some of Paul's personal papers. I knew, of course, that he was 4F in the draft, but I never knew why. What are you trying to tell me? Paul was 4F in the draft because he was blind in the right eye. Blind in the right eye? Yes. That's why I've been getting the cold shoulder from Marlowe these past three days, ever since the afternoon we were on the roof. I don't understand. Somehow Marlowe knew that Paul was blind in the right eye, and when I got that cinder in my left eye, I covered it with my handkerchief. You told me to walk across the roof of the chair, sit down. Oh, yes, I remember. At that point, Marlowe offered to lead me to the chair. Knowing you were blind in the right eye and had your left eye covered with a handkerchief. Yes. When I walked over to the chair without hesitation, that must have started him thinking. Oh, Steve. Now, don't get panicky, baby. Marlowe can't be sure he's right. At the moment, he's just suspicious. But if he really investigates... I've got to kill the suspicion in his mind. Stop him from doing any checks. But how? I don't know yet. Come on, he's waiting for us in the library. Sorry to have kept you waiting, Mr. Marlowe. Quite all right. If you'll excuse me, I'll... Oh, uh, Joan, don't go. No reason why you shouldn't hear what I have to say. Tomorrow, Christmas Day, I'll officially read Mr. Marshall's will. However, I don't think I'm violating a trust in telling you the contents of the will. 
Two weeks ago, Mr. Marshall had me draw up a new will, leaving his entire estate to you, uh, Paul. I see. He was quite taken by you and felt that you were a credit to his name. Why are you crying, John? Nothing. <laughs> As administrator of Mr. Marshall's will, it is my duty to see to it that the heirs, or heir, receive their just inheritances. This duty I shall fulfill. I understand. I am responsible under law for the awarding of the huge estate left by Mr. Marshall. And I shall have to... Is uh, your eye troubling you? You've been doing nothing but rubbing it since you came into this room. Sorry, Mr. Marlowe. As you know, I'm blind in my right eye, and now and then my left eye feels quite strained. Particularly at a time like this. My grandfather's death, the funeral. You understand? Right. Yes. Yes, of course. You were saying? What? Oh, well, it's not important at the moment. I'll be here tomorrow at three for the reading of the will. I'll see to it that all the servants are here. Very well. Good night, Joan. Paul. Good night, Mr. Marlowe. Good night. I didn't get to sleep that night. I just tossed and turned, trying to come up with an angle that would kill Marlowe's suspicions. Maybe that business of rubbing my eyes had satisfied him. But I had to make sure. It was a difference between being handed a fortune and a prison sentence. This afternoon at 3 o'clock, the servants, Joan, Marlowe, and myself gathered in the library. The whole thing was over in an hour. The servants all congratulated me and left the library, leaving only the three of us there. I should like to offer a toast to Mr. Marshall's memory, if you'll permit me. Of course. This uh, was his favorite sherry. John? Thank you. Paul? Thanks. Here's to Peter Marshall, a man who lived honorably, died honorably. May his heir be worthy of him. As the three of us raised our glasses to our lips and drank, I could see Marlowe watching me over the brim of his glass with those cold blue eyes of his. We set down our glasses, and I turned to give Joan a cigarette. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw Marlowe pick up one of the three wine glasses. Suddenly, I realized it was my glass he picked up. He held it casually, almost as if he didn't know he was holding it. In that moment, I was going nuts, trying to guess whether he was satisfied that I was Paul Harris, or he was still suspicious, and going after me. My fingerprints were on that glass. And the army had a copy of those prints in Washington. This was it. Either I play my cards and go for the fortune, or throw in my hand. Suddenly, I felt Joan's hand in mine. Uh, say, Mr. Marlowe. Yes? You say this will, leaving me my grandfather's estate, is a new one. Yes. I drew it up only two weeks ago. What was the old will like? Well, under the old will, uh, your grandfather's estate went to charity. I thought as much. Mr. Marlowe, Joan and I have been talking things over. I don't want the estate. I want it all to go to charity, as originally intended. In me, I seem to have dropped my glass. You realize, of course, what you would be giving up. I never really had it, Mr. Marlowe, so I hardly think I'll miss it. Joan and I will get along, won't we, baby? Oh, yes. Well, Paul, is that your... Considered decision? It is. It's a gesture worthy of Peter Marshall's grandson. 
Yes, and that little gesture did it. Any guy who gives up a $2 million estate can hardly be called an imposter, can he? No, sir. It's Christmas, and I've just played Santa Claus to the tune of two million bucks. The thing I keep wondering about is, what would have happened if I hadn't given up the estate? Would Marlowe have gone after me? Or was he satisfied that I was Paul Harris? Yes, sir. That little puzzle is going to give me plenty of thought for a long time to come. This is the mysterious traveler again. Did you enjoy our trip? Or what happened to Paul Harris? Or rather, I should say, Steve Farrell? Uh, he and John were married. Oh, you have to get off here. I'm sorry. But remember, I take this same train every week at the same time. CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall with the greetings of the season. I hope you like the tree. I put up a bit of holly, too. And mistletoe, of course, right there over the door. There are so many things to enjoy at this time of year. The warm, friendly spirit, that's most important. The time to be with family and friends. There'll be a lot of holiday traffic, too, as people make the rounds of visits or travelers are making their way back home. On a lonely road in Ohio, two such travelers are about to have the most harrowing experience of their lives. No, it's getting heavier, Skip. I wish you'd slow down. I hope we make it before dark. Oh, I sure don't want to get stranded in this tomb. Oh, no. Oh, oh, no. Skip, what's the matter? We're skidding. I can't control her. Skip, don't stop this. We're sliding into that boat. I'm doing all I can. Our mystery drama, A Holiday Visit was written especially for Radio Mystery Theater by Bob Jorn and stars Lloyd Batista and Diana Kirkwood. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Saturday on CBS Television, one of the most star-studded television events of the year. Washington, D.C. sparkles with distinction as Lauren Bacall, Mikhail Baryshnikov, Art Buckwald, Joe Namath, Pat O'Brien, Beverly Sills, John Travolta, and many more perform to salute this year's honorees. Leonard Bernstein, James Cagney, Agnes DeMille, Lynn Fontaine, and William Team Price. The Kennedy Center honors a celebration of the performing arts. Saturday at 9, 8 Central and Mountain on CBS Television. 
Listen to this list of very different people. Ronald Reagan, Goldie Hawn, Mary Cunningham, Sugar Ray Leonard, Robert Redford, Baron St. Helens, Jerry Fowler, Pat Benatar, Lake Valesa, Richard Pryor, Beverly Sills, Dan Rather, and Brooke Shields. What they have in common is their People Magazine's choices is the 25 most intriguing people of 1980 in the special year-end double issue of People Magazine on sale right now. People's double edition, packed with news, celebrities, and the 25 most intriguing people of 1980, plus losers of the year, names to watch in 81, and other surprises. Don't miss a word or a picture in People's year-end double issue. It's something special. What if the world happened in December? Brought to you by your local Navy recruiter. In December 1775, the first flag unfurled aboard an American warship was hoisted by Lieutenant John Paul Jones on board the flagship Alfred at Philadelphia on the occasion of placing the Continental Navy in commission. George Washington resigned his military commission in December of 1783 and retired to his estate at Mount Vernon, Virginia. December 1851, over 30,000 volumes in the Library of Congress were destroyed in a fire. The highest bridge in the world was completed in December 1929. The Royal Gorge Bridge across the Arkansas River in Colorado suspends 1,053 feet over the gorge. In December 1941, Japanese aircraft attacked Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. Six ships were sunk, 12 damaged, 150 aircraft destroyed, and 2,334 were killed or missing. The surprise attack forced the United States into World War II. That's what happened in December. To find out what's happening in the Navy today, call toll-free 800-841-8000. In Georgia, call 800-342-5855. What are your plans for the Christmas holidays? Entertain friends or relatives? Going home to visit parents, perhaps? This is always get-together time. A time when people go home. Home to the families they've left behind as they've made their own way in the world. Joan Bartram made her way from a small town in Ohio to New York, where she worked for a while as a secretary, and then married Skip Bartram, an oil company executive. She hadn't been back to her home in Ohio in 12 years, so it was a particular thrill for Joan when Skip came home one night and said... How'd you like to go home for the holidays? See your folks. Oh, oh Skip, I I'd love it. But can we afford it? Well, the company's sending me to Toledo for a new training program right after the holidays, so the trip is on them. Oh. We'll just leave a little early and be with your folks for Christmas. Oh, what a surprise. Oh, I'm going to call Mother this minute. You don't want to just drop in on them and make it a surprise? And have them fade away? No, no, I want to give them something to look forward to. Yeah, well, maybe you're right. Well, it's been 12 years since I've been home, and you've never... Hello? Hello, Mother? Oh, Joan! How are you? Just fine, dear. Mother, Mother, are you sitting down? No. Why? Listen, Mother, get Dad over to the phone. I want him to hear my news. Henry, come here. Joan? No, Mother. All right, dear. Your father's listening. I'm coming home for Christmas. Coming home? Yes. Yes, Skip has to be in Toledo after the holidays, so we're leaving early. In time to be with you for Christmas. That's the best news I've had all day. Joan, I... Your mother's doing her thing. She's... she's starting to cry. Yes, so am I. I have to hang up now. I'll let you know when we'll arrive. Okay, darling. We'll be waiting. When can we leave? Well, I'd like to get away by Saturday. We'll have to drive. I'll need the car in Toledo. 
Let's see, we ought to get to Runyonville by, well, the 23rd. The map uh, shows the end of the interstate. What do we do when we turn off? Well, let's see. Uh, we go north on 84, it looks like. Yes, yes, north on 84 to Hamilton, then 42A to Blue Mountain, and to keep on that to Runningville. Oh, I don't know. It looks as though the interstate keeps on going. Well, look there. Yeah, according to the map, though, there's a proposed extension. Well, it's been finished since the map came out, I guess. What if we stayed on this? Well, we'd go straight to Runningville. It looks as though we'd save about, uh, about 20 miles, too. <laughs> so we're in luck. We'll stay on it. It looks as though, well, maybe it's your folks a lot sooner than we thought. Snow. Oh, we're going to have a white Christmas. Well, I hope it doesn't get too thick before we hit your folks' place. Skip, how far have we come on this highway? Oh, about 40 miles. Have, have you noticed anything strange? No, uh, you're thinking the same thing I am. Hmm. There hasn't been a sign or a turnoff since we got on this road. Yeah, I noticed that. And come to think of it, I, I don't remember seeing any cars passing us in either direction. Doesn't Natural. <laughs> well, if this road's going anywhere, they're keeping it a secret. I'm getting a little uneasy. Maybe we ought to turn back and take Route 84 like we planned. Oh, I hate to do that after we've come this far. Now, this road's got to come out someplace. Let's see, we've got about an hour before dark. And the snow is getting heavier. I, I wish it'd slow down. I hope we make it before dark. I don't want to get stranded in this. Oh, 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 oh the skid, the skid, what's the matter? We're skidding, I can't control it. Oh, let's get do something. Oh, we're sliding. I'm doing all I can. You put a little more tinsel on the tree, Harriet, and it's going to topple over. I don't see how you can sit there so relaxed. Why are you so nervous? The children said they'd be here sometime today or tomorrow. They should have been here by now. Only because you think they should be. If anything was wrong, they'd call. You know that. Oh, you're right. I'm just so excited about having our Joan home for Christmas. <laughs> I can't relax. Well, I think I'll take a stroll in the snow. Need anything from downtown? No, dear. I've had everything in for days. I just wish they'd get here. They will, Harriet. They will. Now, you stop worrying. Worrying isn't going to get them here any sooner. Oh, oh my head. Joan. Joan, are you all right? Well, what happened? Oh, can, you, can you straighten up? Oh, here, here, let me see. Uh, try, try twisting it a little bit this way. Oh, oh. oh there. Oh. There, it's free. Oh. How do you feel, huh? Dizzy. Oh, we, we crashed into the boulders. Uh, can we, uh, will the car move? Oh, pray. Uh, oh, thank heaven. Well, if I can back her off. Yeah, I better get out and take a look. 
Um, oh, that does it. What's the matter? Uh, two flat tires. Oh, no. And only one spare, naturally. Oh, dear Lord, what are we going to do? We're miles from anywhere. Uh, at least the snow's letting up a bit. <clears throat> oh, we can't just sit here on this... this ghost road. Oh, well, where will we walk? Skip, look. A light. Oh, yeah. Oh, about half a mile away, I'd say. It must be a town. Hey, do you think you can make it on that leg? Oh, yes, yes. I'd hop on one foot to get out of here. Well, we can phone your folks. Tom will be a little delayed. We can probably get the car towed in. Well, it looks like we'll have to stay till morning. Well, maybe Dad can come pick us up. We can't be far from Onionville. We can pick up the car tomorrow or the next day. Oh, that's Christmas Day. Oh, that's right. Hey, what are we sitting here chatting for? Come on, come on, let's move. You know, you might be right. It could be one of those, um, restorations. 
an antique village, and if it is one, then there's got to be somebody around. A caretaker or a watchman or someone. I mean, let's try the hotel. just as deserted as everything else. And still no phone. Oh, I wish I had that CB radio Paul offered me. I always thought they were a nuisance, but that sure would have gotten us out of this mess. Hey, come on, come on. Let's look around upstairs. Everyone's empty. Not a stick of furniture anywhere. Yeah, it's about what I expected. What was that? Well, it sounded like something hitting the roof. Oh, Skip, let's, let's go back to the car. I'm too frightened to stay here. This place is just too spooky. Yeah, come on, you don't believe in ghosts. It's not ghosts I'm afraid of. There's another one. Well, you something sailed past the window and landed on the ground. I- I'm going down and take a look around. I'll come with you. I'm not staying in here alone. There's nothing out here, uh, except a couple of green logs. Over there, see them? Green logs? Yeah. Moss-covered. Looks like they've been laying there for years. But, Skip, there's no snow on them. If they've been laying there for years, they'd be covered with snow. You think that's what hit the hotel? Well, how many logs this big don't just fall out of the sky? Just take me back to the car. Now, Now, honey, there's no sense getting panicky. We're alone in this town or amusement park or whatever it is. And at least there's shelter. We'll stay here for the night and we'll just try to get to civilization in the morning. You want to stay here? We might be murdered in our sleep. As if I could sleep. Well, dear heart, there's nothing else we can do. We're sleeping in the car is foolish when we're... Uh-oh. The lights. Every light went out. Well, that settles it. We're not going anywhere now. But the whole town's out. There's not a light anywhere. Yeah. It seems to be clouded over, too. Hey, the stars are gone. Yeah. Come on. Come on, let's go back inside. Mm. We'll be safe in there. <clears throat> we'll curl up in the lobby furniture and try to sleep. Uh, I won't mm. shut an eye. Wondering who or what turned off those lights.
gangs tomorrow for children everywhere. Please send your check or money order to CARE, Box 576, New York 10156, or local CARE office. This is Delta Airlines. We're ready when you are, Chicago. Ready with Delta nonstop to Tennessee and Carolina. Ready with five Delta nonstops a day to Memphis. Ready with three Delta nonstops to Nashville. The most going. And an early evening nonstop to Knoxville. Ready with nonstops and crew jets to Raleigh-Durham and Greensboro, High Point, Winston-Salem. Thanks, Chicago, for flying with us. Delta is ready when you are. Joan and Skip Bartram face the prospect of spending the night in a deserted hotel in a strange and darkened town. A town apparently without inhabitants. Could it be a restoration of some kind? A sort of Midwestern Williamsburg? Under normal circumstances, it might be a lovely place to spend the Christmas holiday. But Skip and Joan are anxious to get to her parents' home and friendly family warmth. They spent the night in the sparsely furnished lobby of the hotel. And now it's morning. Skip. Skip. Huh? Oh, how curious. 
Yes, and he bathed in that hotel, you know. We slept, or rather stayed, in the lobby. I'm Skip Bartram, and this is my wife, Joan. We were wondering... I'm pleased to meet you. I'm Mrs. McKinney. We were wondering if this is some sort of uh, restoration. I mean, there were lights on last night. And And we heard Christmas carols. Oh, yes. Isn't the music lovely? What do you mean by a restoration? This is Taylor Town. But there's no one living here. You're the only person we've seen since last night. Yes, they've all gone. Each season, a few more left. My husband went last year. I'm the last one here. You live here all alone? All alone in a deserted town? It's my home. Uh, well, uh, could we uh, use your phone, Mrs. McGinnis? Joan wants to call her dad to pick us up, and, well, I've got to get a tow truck for the car. Oh, mercy me, there's no garage or tow truck. Oh, but there's a payphone at the railroad station. We never had phones in any of the houses. Just wait till I finish upstairs, and I'll show you where it is. I don't know if it works, though. I think it's just there for a pet. I wonder what she meant by that. Well, who knows? I, I just feel better now that we've met another human being. She seems friendly enough. But a little strange, don't you think? Naturally. A little living alone in a dead town. A ghost town. I wonder how long she'll be. But we could find that railroad station ourselves. Oh, let her be hospitable. A few minutes won't matter. Uh, Mrs. McGinnis? Mrs. McGinnis, are you almost finished? That's strange. Well, I'll see. Has something happened to her? Mrs. McGinnis? Skip, what's the matter? Well, she's not here. The loft's absolutely empty. There's no way she could have gotten out of that barn. Oh, the... There are no windows in that loft. Well, she did. Unless we just imagined we saw and talked with her. No, no, she was there all right. She she just gave us the slip somehow. Oh, there's the railroad station. Oh, pray that that phone works. I'm not counting on it, but, well, it's worth a try. (laughs) It looks like one of Bell's first pay phones. Uh, Skip, have you got a dime? Yeah, I think so. I hear you are. Here goes. Huh? So far, so good. Oh, I got a dial tone. Yeah, at least something works in this town. Well, it's only ten after nine. One of them's bound to be home. Ah, it's ringing. Yeah, they're probably looking out the windows, wondering where we are. Hello? Is somebody on this line? Oh, Dad! Oh, Dad, thank you. Heaven, I reached you. Who is this? It's Joan, Dad. Joan? I can hardly hear you. Speak up. Dad, it's Joan. We've had an accident with the car. You'll have to pick us up. Where are you? You'll have to talk louder. A place called Taylor Town. It's practically a ghost town. Do you know where it is? Taylor Town? Look, we'll wait for you in front 
of the hotel. How long will it take you? Uh, well, it's uh, ten after nine now. About one hour. Oh, we'll be here. Oh, I can't wait to see you, Dad. Dad? Dad? Oh, the lion's dead. What's the matter? You look concerned. Dad sounded so funny. I, I expected more of a, a reaction. He was so matter-of-fact. He didn't ask for details or anything. Well, I'm sure he figured he'd find out the details when he picks us up. Oh, yes, I suppose. You know, dear, I have the strange feeling I know this village. Well, not the village so much, but, but the houses. The houses look so familiar. Well, a lot of small Midwestern towns have that turn-of-the-century look. I guess so. We used to go shopping in, in Fairmont, and it was full of the same big houses we had in Runyonville. You know, with porches around the whole front and little filigrees under the eaves. <laughs> like that place on the corner. Exactly. And look who's on the porch. <gasps> this is McKinnis. Hello, dear. Where did you come from? I don't get many visitors anymore. We wondered where you went. Where I went? I've been here all morning. Sweeping the snow, you know, got to get it off the porch before it freezes. Oh, what will you to Taylor Town? Skip, she doesn't remember us. Uh, uh, Mrs. McGinnis, we met you. Do you know my name? Mercy, who are you? Mrs. McGinnis, we... We met you at the barn this morning, and you said... The barn, you see? Oh, there's a nice one behind the hotel. Want to come in for some hot coffee? Takes the chill off. Yeah, thanks. We'd like that. Well, come along in, then. I'll pick up the pot. Yes, I don't know. Well, what harm can it do? Look, we, we've got at least an hour to wait for your dad. We might as well spend it in a cozy kitchen. Yeah, I guess you're right. Come on. Hot coffee in a minute with some fresh scones I made myself. She keeps a neat house. And so you know, old-fashioned. It's lovely. Yeah, oh. pretty stark. Come on and sit down at the kitchen table. I don't have much, as you can see, but there's always something to share. You're planning on moving here, you said. Uh, no, Mrs. McGinnis, I... We told you we had an accident with our car. Oh, that's too bad. But I just called my father. He's coming to pick us up. You, you called your father? Yes, just now. On the phone at, at the railroad station. Oh, mercy, that is a miracle. I didn't know that phone ever worked. And we're happy to enjoy your hospitality while we're waiting. We still can't understand why there's no one else in town. You live here all alone? It's my home. Oh, it's not bad living alone. I get by. Well, we thought it was some sort of restoration. I don't know what a restoration is. A restoration is an old town or house that's been restored to look the way it did years ago. Oh, this town's looked like this from the beginning. Ever since it came from Scotland. The town came over from Scotland? It's an exact duplicate of Taylor Town in Scotland. The streets and the houses. 
and all the furnishings came from Scotland. Oh, mercy, don't ask me how long ago when you were born here. I guess so. You guess so? Well, I've never been anywhere else. Oh, you're not eating the scones. Uh, I guess we'd better get over to the hotel and wait for Dad. Thank you so much for your hospitality, Mrs. McGinnis. Oh, I'll come along. I'd like to see a modern automobile. I'll just get my shawl. It won't be a minute. She shouldn't be living alone like this. It's made her completely confused. Oh, I know. But, well, there's nothing we can do, though. And she kept offering us scones, and the plate was empty. Well, she's living in the past. Well, I wish she'd hurry. I, I don't want to miss Dad. Well, we've got lots of time. If he said an hour, well, we've only been here a few minutes. Oh, I, I wonder what's keeping Mrs. McGinnis. Look, why don't we just go on? She'll follow us. She knows where the hotel is. Well, Mrs. McGinnis? You about ready? Mrs. McGinnis? Oh, not again. Oh, talk about the Cheshire Cat. Come on. Let's get out of here. your eggs scrambled or fried this morning, Will? Well, fried is easy. Oh, I do hope we hear from the children soon. I'm getting awfully nervous. I thought they'd at least arrive last night. But not to go. It's not like Joan. Well, that just means there's nothing wrong, Harriet. If they'd had trouble, we'd have been the first to know. Something's not right. I just feel it. Well, ten after nine... If they're not here by noon, maybe I'll call the police. Oh, oh. I'll get it. Hello? Hello? Is it Joan? Well, there seems to be a voice, but I can't make it out. Joan? Oh, it's a bad connection. I don't know if it's Joan or not. Oh, dear. Hello? 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 No use. Whoever it was will have to call back. We'll just have to wait. Skip, I'm terribly frightened. I wasn't before, but now, now I really am. There's something evil here. I mean, no people except that crazy Mrs. McGinnis. But your dad's on the way, huh? Oh, it's been two hours now. Well, maybe he had trouble. At least he knows where we are. Doesn't he? How do I know? All we do is, is ask each other silly questions. I'm cold and I'm tired and I'm hungry. Oh, Joan, Joan. We may just die here. Don't you realize that? We may just die here. Oh, stop it. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, hon. I had to stop you. I'll, I'll get control of myself. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll just have to wait. Everyone seems to be waiting. Joan and Skip are waiting in Taylortown, expecting her father to pick them up any minute. But Joan's father, as we now know, didn't get the call. And he and his wife are waiting to hear from Joan. It looks as though Skip and Joan won't be with her folks for Christmas after all. 
or at all, for that matter. We'll just have to wait to see how it turns out when I return shortly with Act Three. Monday, high-flying comedy and suspense on CBS television as Freebie and the Bean go after drug smugglers in the sky. I got plenty of sources over the border and a foolproof delivery system. When a pretty pilot bails out at 10,000 feet, it's time for Freebie to learn how to fly. Now, what's going on? What are you doing with my airplane? I'm going to get a citation for this, Bean. Trust me. Too bad. Pull it up. Give it some power. Freebie and the Bean, a special night, Monday at 8, 7 Central and Mountain on CBS television. Running a ski lodge is a family affair. It takes all of us working together to keep it going. So when the cold and flu season hits, it's good to know we've got our Bayer. Bayer aspirin is the only pain reliever our family uses. We've never found anything we could buy that works one bit better to relieve the aches, fever, and sore throat pain. Believe me, in our family, when a cold or flu makes around, it's rest, fluids, and all we need is Bayer. Use only as directed. Terry's Lincoln Mercury in Orland Park, the nation's largest volume Lincoln Mercury dealer, is now hosting a used car cellophon. There are more than 140 late model used cars to choose from. And every Terry's preferred used car purchase includes a 12-month, 12,000-mile national warranty. As a special bonus during Terry's cellophon, every used car sold will be Rusty Jones rust-proofed absolutely free. A $175 value at no extra cost. Sound unbelievable? Take your choice of a few remaining 1980 Cougars, each with a range of options and each priced at only $5,999. Shop early for the best used car money can buy. That's Terry's Lincoln Mercury. Over 140 used cars, free Rusty Jones rust proofing, and the 12-month, 12,000-mile national warranty. No other quality used car dealer could offer more. Terry's Lincoln Mercury is on 143rd Street, just one block east of LaGrange Road in Orland Park. This is WBBM Chicago. second time, Skip and Joan have gone to the hotel to wait for Joan's father. It's a cold December afternoon, and it's been a long wait. What time is it? Uh, ten after two. I'm going to phone home again. Maybe there's a reason Dad was delayed. And after that, I'm going to call the state police. I, I should have thought of it before. We're in a real emergency here. They'll tow us out. Come on. But suppose Dad comes after we've gone. We'll ask Mrs. McGinnis to watch for him. Mrs. McGinnis? Mrs. Houdini, you mean. I wouldn't trust her to give Dad a message. Uh, well, we're getting out of here as fast as we can. Your father or the police, whichever comes first. Okay. Okay, here, try your folks again. It's dead. There's no dial tone. Nothing makes sense in this place. Well, it's no use. It's just hands dead up, as... Hands up, hands up. Stay right where She's got a gun. You better be kicking off. M -m 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 Mrs. McGinnis, why the gun? How do you know my name? 
a lucky guess. Why are you pointing that gun at us? I want you out of here now. I don't trust strangers. Mrs. McGinnis, you were so hospitable to us before. Why are you... Before? I've never seen you before in my life. Now get out of here. Start walking. Where to? To wherever you come from. I don't allow strangers here. This is a nightmare. You don't scare us. Because I know in a couple of minutes you're going to disappear. What are you talking about? You've been popping up and vanishing all morning. In a few minutes you'll just disappear, poof. So we are waiting right here. Oh! Oh, come on, Joan, she means it. But where can we go? Back to the car. She wouldn't really shoot us. She couldn't. Keep going. We're not taking chances with that crazy old woman. But we'll freeze out here and Dad won't find us. You'll have to pass the car on the highway. <laughs> Nothing makes any sense here. Yep, look back. You're right. She's gone. Uh, we'll be okay here. The motor works. I'll just turn on the heater. Come on, hop in. Oh, there's, there's more damage than I thought. The whole front end's caved in. What a Christmas this has turned out to be. Oh, honey, we'll get out of this. Yeah, let me get the heater going. We might as well get some holiday spirit if the radio still works. Oh, I'm so bushed. Mm, well, you didn't sleep all night. And I didn't get much myself on that wooden couch. I hope Dad comes soon. Yeah. Yeah, we can't keep the motor running all day. Well, I hope Mrs. McGinnis doesn't show up again. No, she... Wouldn't follow us out here. But lock the doors anyway. Hey, you all right in there? Hey, you too. Huh? Huh? Who's that? What's the matter? Are you two okay? Oh, here. Oh, it's a state trooper. Oh, we, we fell asleep. Oh, oh, my leg. Oh, are we glad to see you. Anybody hurt? No. Oh, no, we, we must have dozed off. Dozed off and ran off the road. The helicopter spotted your car and called us. Oh, thank the Lord for that. How'd you get on this road? It's officially closed. Well, there weren't any signs about that. It connected with Interstate 40, and we just stayed on it. Had the bad luck to skid into boulders. This extension isn't due to open until next summer. Where are you heading? Romanville. My parents live there. We're going uh, home for the holidays. Uh, you wouldn't have gotten there on this route. It ends about 100 yards up ahead. I'll radio for a tow and get you folks to Runyonville. Now, when did you go off the road? Last night. You've been here all night? Well, no, we went into Taylortown. Taylortown? Yeah, right up the road. But it's a ghost town, except for a crazy old woman who lives there. Uh, I better get you folks to the hospital first. Just a checkup. You know, possible concussion. Oh, no, 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 we're all right. My wife's ankle was twisted, but once we got out of the car, she was okay. We do not need a hospital. You say you spent the night in a place called Taylortown? Yes. There is no Taylortown around here. 
I've lived here all my life. And there just isn't any place called Taylortown. But right up the road. Look for yourself. We were there all night. I'm sorry, ma'am. And maybe you'd better look. <gasps> oh. There's nothing there. There's no village at all. No, ma'am. Road ends at that vacant field. Not a town as far as you can see. Well, no sign of concussion at all. No injuries except abrasions on the woman's ankle. Yeah, well, what about that story about spending the night in a village called Taylortown? Uh, hard to say. Huh, maybe they did. Uh, they must have imagined it. Yeah, they show no signs of exposure. They only think they were there through the night. They made it on the road only a couple of hours. The helicopter spotted them two hours ago. They went to a village named Taylortown. They were hallucinating. Well, hallucinations, quite common in extreme circumstances. Mirages in the desert. Anxiety can produce them. Then you think they spent the night, like they said, in a village that isn't there? Well, they had an emotional experience. Physically, they're fine. I see no reason to keep them here. They're better off going home to the woman's parents. looking for you when you called from the hospital. Oh, I'm going to send that state trooper a whopping Christmas gift. I got his name and badge number. Skiff, it's so good to see you. Oh, same here. Thank you, Kevin. You're both okay. Come on in, everybody. No use standing here in the cold. What happened, Dad? We thought you were coming to pick us up in that place called Terrortown. Uh, that's what puzzles me. We never heard from you. The phone rang early this morning, but no one was there. Oh, I know I had a bad connection, but I was sure I heard you say you'd meet us. You seemed to know where we were. You mentioned this Taylor town. There's no place like that around here. Where exactly were you? Oh, I've never heard of it either, but we were there. I know the trooper thought we were loony. Oh, I don't know what to say about all this. Why don't you both just relax? I've got a buffet all ready. We'll have cocktails and you can tell us all about it. That's a good idea. I'll get your suitcases up to the guest room. We had to leave all our gifts in the car, but they're towing it in tonight. So we'll have them in time for Christmas. Oh, they don't matter, dear. Having you here and safe is what's important. Now, you just relax and enjoy the tree while I get things ready. You must be famished. Oh, it's so good to be home again. And at Christmas time, everything's so pretty. Yeah. Ooh, that's some tree. I just love the decor. Skip. Look. What? Under the tree. Look, come closer. Oh. A little village set out under the tree. Cardboard houses. Look, look at the hotel. It's Taylor Town. Mother and Dad got this set when I was a child. I'd forgotten it. Every house. Every street is just the way it was. The railroad station, 
the little store, and oh, Mrs. McKinnis's house. Uh, J- Joan, wait a minute. We weren't... We couldn't have been there. That's what the trooper said. What happened to us? Oh, hey, I'm getting the chills. Look at those pine needles from the tree. Those are the green logs that hit the roof. I wonder. What? Mrs. McKinnis. Could she be? I I think she disappeared for the last time. What should we tell Mother and Dad? I I don't know. I, I think we've said enough. I don't know what happened to us last night, but we better stop talking about it. I guess you're right. Uh, here are the orders. You can pour the wine, Will. A holiday toast, everybody. <laughs> oh, I see you admiring the village under the tree. Oh, we haven't set it up for years. <laughs> we used to put it up regularly when Joan was a child. Lately, we've just had a table tree. Ah, but this year, with you both coming, we went all out. Big tree, everything. Yes. Yes, and it's lovely. (laughs) The detail in those houses is exquisite, isn't it? Yes, yes, very, uh, very realistic. It was imported from Scotland. It's been in my family for years. Well, here's to a wonderful holiday visit. Merry Christmas, everyone. If there were an explanation for everything, where would the magic in life be? I think we'd all lose interest if everything were cut and dried, neatly packaged, just right. We need a bit of amazement now and then to soften the blow of reality. Skip and Joan left reality for a brief period, and it gave them something to remember all their lives. I'll be back shortly with a closing holiday thought. Winston Churchill... Albert Einstein, Nelson Rockefeller, Bruce Jenner, Thomas Edison, Leonardo da Vinci. These people, and many other brilliant, talented, creative people, overcame a form of learning disability. This is Pat Collins for the Foundation for Children with Learning Disabilities. There are over 10 million children in this country who are learning disabled, and they can be helped to overcome their learning differences. We owe it to them and to ourselves. Some of these children can be our country's future doctors, lawyers, artists, scientists, and politicians. You can help children with learning disabilities. Please send a contribution to SCLD, 99 Park Avenue, New York, New York, 10016. That's SCLD, 99 Park Avenue, New York, New York, 10016. town and village sports its holiday decorations. Busy shoppers push through the stores and children wait wide-eyed for that magical eating. It's Christmas time. We hope your holiday season will be merry and bright. And may all your wishes for the new year come true. Merry Christmas. Our cast included Lloyd Batista, Diana Kirkwood, Joan Shea, and Robert Dryden. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. Thank you.
preview of our next tale. I know you swore at me. What kind of a chump do you take me for? Well, I, I'm sorry about the accident, but you know I didn't mean it. I, and besides, you know, you and me, well, we used to like each other. What are you talking about? Look, I was the best safe cracker in the city, and you was the smartest detective on the force. You was out to get me, and I was out to beat you. But there was nothing personal in it, eh? Each one of us was only doing his thing. Hey, man, that's why you got to get me out of this. Why should I? Because you know I didn't kill him. I don't know anything of the kind. Oh, look me in... Uh, I was going to say look me in the eye and say that, but I can't because you can't. Well, you know I'm not a killer, and you know that I didn't kill him. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant the convenience of Tribune Home Delivery. There are lots of reasons more and more people are turning to home delivery of the Tribune. And here's another good reason. A special home delivery offer. The Saturday and Sunday... Well, that's the show for tonight. I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash terror1970 or you can find me on Instagram at Radio Show Nerd or on Twitter at Radio Show Nerd 1. If you want to drop me a line, say hello, make a suggestion, a request, a, even a critique, please feel free to email me at radioshownerd at gmail.com. I also have a YouTube channel. Please check it out. Subscribe. Like the videos. Would be highly appreciated. In fact, this upcoming Saturday, Christmas Eve, <clears throat> excuse me, I will be posting the horror classic Black Christmas. Now, before you start screaming, that's a slasher film. It really, well, yes, it is. But this film is pre-Friday the 13th, meaning there's no gratuitous gore or nonsensical sex scenes, just pure out terror. Again, this is your host, Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd, signing off.